is The Morning Drive on FM 96.3 AM 620. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here. And joining us online now is Elizabeth Hicks. She is a policy analyst with Consumer Choice. Good morning, Elizabeth. I think we call you Liz. Is that right? That works. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys? We're doing great here. Um, so tell us, tell us about. Uh, I, I've read about that. There's a, a bill that's been sort of uh, hanging around in the legislature in the in the Capitol for about five years, gone back and forth, and that is um, to eliminate products, uh, flavored tobacco products, ban those. Can you tell yes. us the bill? I guess is S eighteen. Can you tell us uh, the guts of that bill, or is it is there more than what I'm saying to it, and why you think it's a bad idea? Absolutely. So, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. This bill has been circulating around for quite some time. Uh, Senate Bill 18, it's proposing a ban on the retail sale of flavored cigarettes, e-cigarettes, as well as e-liquids. And my understanding is the motivation behind this bill is to protect youth from tobacco use. Um, it passed the uh, Senate last year in the beginning of 2020, 2023, but now, unfortunately, it is making its way through the House. I do have two major concerns with this bill regarding the unintended consequences that I don't think legislators have thought through yet. The first is that this bill isn't actually going to protect youth from tobacco use. It's only going to embolden the illicit market to grow, which is where most Vermont youth are reporting getting their vapes from. When we look at the surveys, less than 10% of Vermont youth reported getting their vapes from either a gas station, vape shop, or the internet. The other 90% reported that they either got them from a family member or friend, they stole it, or they acquired it in some other way, which wasn't specified. There's also data from the Journal of the American Medicine Association, which is showing that when flavored vaping products are banned, combustible smoking rates increase for youth aged 18 and younger. So this bill really isn't helping the kids. In addition to not helping the kids, it's also punishing adult consumers. There have been studies that have shown vaping to be 95% less harmful than smoking because you lose that combustion aspect or that fire aspect that's involved with uh, traditional cigarettes. And the adults who actually use flavored vaping products are 2.3 times more likely to quit smoking combustible tobacco. But with this bill, unfortunately, adult consumers would not be able to find their preferred flavored vaping products in the legal market, which would incentivize them to switch back to smoking combustible cigarettes. So where are, well, I guess you've sort of identified it, but so you think that people in the, uh, for example, in the, in the VT Digger story, uh, there's a mm-hmm. quote from Lauren, I'm not sure about her pronunciation of her last name, but Lawrence, Lauren Pharisee, a pediatric pulmonologist at UVA Medical Center, said Vermont pediatricians are really concerned about the extent of vaping that we're seeing in young people. And she further said, I've seen this progression play out in my patients over the years where flavors start as a hook and then lead to a dependence. So where is she wrong there when she's saying that to allow these flavors, it's it's getting young kids addicted to the different flavors. Yeah, you know, I listened to her testimony, and, you know, she's a brilliant woman, I will give her that, but it's very anecdotal. So when we look at the actual data here, the first thing I want to point out is Dr. Brian King, who is the head of the Center for Tobacco Products at the FDA, 
has publicly stated that they will no longer be using the term youth vaping epidemic because the data no longer suggests that that is a reality. And according to the CDC, youth vaping seems to have peaked in 2019 when 20% of youth reported current e-cigarette use. But between 2019 and 2022, current um, e-cigarette use has actually declined by 53%. So we're just not seeing youth engage in this behavior as much as we used to, which is fantastic. Also, interestingly, I looked into some Vermont-specific data here, and about 1 in 15 students have tried either marijuana, cigarettes, or flavored tobacco products, um, but 1 in 8 have tried alcohol. So I find it interesting that Vermont legislators are promoting this legislation because, A, again, FDA's uh, Center for Tobacco Products has said that this isn't an issue as it used to be before, And then B, according to the data, it seems that there may be other areas um, of youth engagement or or substance use which are more prevalent and and maybe should be taking higher priority. And these products are essentially, most cases, right, are used to try to wean somebody off of combustible um, cigarettes or, or even in regards to alcohol, right? Yes, yes. And there are studies coming out from different countries, one from the uh, United Kingdom, that is showing that not only is vaping a very effective cessation tool, but flavored vaping in particular is is much more effective than than any sort of either nicotine replacement therapy or other sort of cessation um, effort, which I think is is really notable. Also, too, if we look at Sweden, I think Sweden is a fantastic example that Vermont legislators could look to and potentially follow in the footsteps of. The World Health Organization has announced that Sweden is going to become the first smoke-free country, but instead of implementing prohibitionist policies like Senate Bill 18, the Swedish government actually made sure to both keep taxes low on nicotine alternatives like vaping, snooze, and nicotine pouches, while also allowing a full range of flavors for their adult consumers. The results have been miraculous. The um, smoking rates have declined by 55% in the last decade. Smoking-related death averages dropped 22% lower than the rest of the European Union, Cancer incidence is 41% lower, and total deaths from cancer is 38% lower than the rest of Europe. And I don't see any reason why the U.S. couldn't follow suit and see similar results um, for Americans. And again, I think Vermont legislators have a real opportunity to lead the charge here. Well, let's go to the phones. we got a call for you. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. Uh, I would like to get your thoughts on a, on a hypothesis I have. Um, I think the state of Vermont wants to ban these e-cigarettes because smoking e-cigarettes cuts into uh, the kickbacks they get from the tobacco company from that 1998 settlement. So the state of Vermont gets a certain proportion of the profits from every cigarette that's sold. So if they ban e-cigarettes, it forces kids back into buying cigarettes so that the state will get uh, some more money. So every year they've been getting about $35 million in Vermont. But in the last five or so, it's been $25 million. So do you think that's what's going on here? What do you They're, think? They need that $10 million back. What do you think, Liz? I think that's a very interesting hypothesis. I think at the end of the day, this is absolutely affecting you know Vermont taxpayers. Vermont is spending more than $400 million annually to treat tobacco-caused illnesses, which is including roughly $94 million of taxpayer money just through Medicaid expenses every year. Um, and to break that down, that's about $1,000 per Vermont household of a tax burden, which isn't great. And if we continue to push bills like this, we're going to see this tax burden continue to increase. 
Um, and second thing I'll add quickly is there other states have tried legislation like this, and they, in my opinion, were pretty big failures and not what the legislators or public health officials were looking for. Um, in particular, in Massachusetts, there was a ban put into place in 2020. Um, they have a multi-agency legal task force, which actually admitted that not only had the ban created a new market for hundreds of millions of dollars of illicit counterfeit products that were brought in from surrounding states, but they also stated that the ban resulted in lower earnings for Massachusetts store owners and employees and over $114 million of lost tax revenue for the state. So they're not looking at this from much financial sense, in my opinion. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think, and I know it's maybe it's anecdotal, but virtually everybody I know that vapes are not kids. They they are people yeah. that are trying to quit smoking or or feel like they you know they they're addicted to nicotine and they want a different delivery method because they know smoking is really bad for them. I mean, and, and these are adults. I would say thirty five years of age and, and older. So is that really what is the data showing that too? Yes, the data is showing that the majority of e-cigarette users, especially in Vermont, but even across the country, are not youth. They're not 18 or younger. They are usually, in some states in particular, Kauai, 65 years and older are the most common age group because they're using it as a cessation tool. And that's what we're seeing across the board for most age demographics as well. I also would like to note as well that there are laws in place, not only in Vermont, but also federally, that are preventing youth from purchasing and consuming any nicotine products whatsoever. So bands like this, again, are not helping you. They're just punishing these adult consumers who are looking to get away from the harmful aspects of combustible tobacco and move towards, you know, the vapor aspect, which, again, studies have shown are 95% less harmful than the combustible cigarettes. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick two-minute break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to continue our conversation with uh, Elizabeth Hicks. Makers, this is the way. This is The Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Monday morning, and we're continuing our discussion now with Liz Hicks. She's a policy analyst for Consumer Choice Center. And if we, if you're calling in as we were headed to break and we couldn't get to your call right then, give us a call back. So, Liz, I, I have to tell you that in the last couple of weeks, every time I open uh, my web browser, there's ads saying, you know, uh, the big tobacco is luring children in with flavored tobacco. Where There's a lot of money getting put behind this push. Where's that coming from? There is. You know, this these anti-tobacco groups are relentless and I have to uh, give them some credit for, you know, their determination here, but they're very off base, unfortunately, when it comes to the science and the evidence that we see, but the money that they're getting is astronomical. They have a lot of it's coming from Michael Bloomberg, who is the former mayor of New York city and a well-known philanthropist. He has committed over $1.58 billion to combat tobacco use worldwide. A lot of these, a lot of the funds are going to organizations like Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids or Truth Initiative or Parents Against Vaping and Electronic Cigarettes. So they're funding a lot of these groups, um, and they're also working with the American Cancer Society and the American Lung Association, American Heart Association. So they're working with a large group of um, different entities to really push this narrative, all while somehow ignoring the science and evidence at hand. 
Well, I think that's what's so confusing because, um, as I said uh, before, it doesn't seem like kids are really – the, the whole campaign says stop big tobacco from targeting Vermont kids. But statistically, we know it's not kids that are using these things. And then when you look to Sweden uh, and you see the number of people that are no longer smoking, uh, it, it, it doesn't seem it, – it doesn't mesh, I guess. Exactly. It really doesn't. And that's what I am personally trying to not only educate the public on, but also our, our policymakers and legislators is that, you know, a lot of times the other side comes in with a lot of anecdotes and, and good stories, but the evidence and science isn't there. And the, the data that I am referring to, you know, with Sweden and the United Kingdom, these studies were done by these governments or by the health institutions of these governments. These are not, you know, one-off paid-for studies. These are well-known, peer-reviewed um, meta-analyses that have been conducted, and oftentimes they are disregarded as not being accurate, although we know that they are because entire governments are not going to be lying about you know, what they're finding with these policies. So I think that's important to take into account as well. All right, well, we got another call for you. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Uh, yeah, you talked about the uh, funding for this bill, you know, who's backing it. In the spirit of full disclosure, who is backing uh, your agency? Yes, fair, that's a great question. Fair question, yep. Absolutely a fair question. So we do receive support from a variety of industries, foundations, and generous individuals. Um, all of it is available on our website if anyone would like to look into it further. Um, but I will note that we as an organization maintain editorial independence, which means we will speak openly and freely about the issues that matter to us completely independent of where financial support comes from. Uh, Liz, let me ask you this. This is a question that was, was texted to me by someone, so I want to just put this, this question to you. Uh, flavored vapes aren't FDA approved, while cigarettes are approved by the FDA. Uh, yes. Would you favor a ban on unapproved vape products by the FDA? That is a complicated question. The answer I would have is I would like the FDA to start streamlining their uh, pre-market um, tobacco or, or device approval process to ensure that more devices and more products are on the market. There have been millions of applications from different, you know, vaping and, and, and nicotine companies trying to get approval from the FDA to have that, you know, final seal or final stamp saying that, yes, this is allowed to be on the legal market. The FDA has been sitting on its hands for years now um, and has approved very a very small amount of, of devices, and the only flavors that have been approved thus far are tobacco. So what's happening is the illicit market is filling in that void and meeting consumer demand for the flavored aspects. Um, and really, we're seeing a lot of a lot of concerns there. California, just real quick, they were another state that has enacted a flavor ban. And what we've seen is international smuggling from China has really helped fill the void. There have been a report of over 9,000 different vaping devices, especially disposable vaping devices that are being illegally sold in the U.S. now. Um, and areas that have flavor bans are particularly lucrative places to sell. Well, that was uh, actually anecdotally what I heard on the street was, <laughs> Well, it'll it'll be the uh, little micro version of uh, bootlegging, uh, in Absolutely. particularly in in communities around uh, around the border in Vermont. I mean, uh, it's it's not. Uh, 
I, I, I don't I, I don't quite grasp um, if you look at the data I don't grasp what the big push is yeah and essentially prohibition never works right and I think Vermonters deserve evidence-based legislation that is actually going to improve their public health and not harm it. And I think that's a fair request from the legislators that uh, you all have voted into office. So, Liz, your contention basically is to kind of encapsulate it and tell me if I'm good, is that legislators have good intentions, even the pediatricians, et cetera. They, they think that they're doing something good here. But it's your contention that based on what Massachusetts, what it showed when they did this in Massachusetts and some other places, that it just hasn't had the results that they think they're going to get. Absolutely. Bottom line, anyone under the age of 21, based off of uh, the laws and and regulations, should not be consuming nicotine products. We fully agree with that. I think these bills are always very well intended. It's just they are not looking at the unintended consequences, which based off of the data and studies is showing that it's only going to increase not only adult consumption of combustibles, but also youth consumption of both illegal illicit vaping devices as well as combustible cigarettes now the chair of the committee dealing with this is Teresa wood uh, she's the chair of the human house human services committee and she her quote on this was that uh, she said that we might be considering some changes in the legislation before it leaves the committee but we'll be passing a bill out of committee that you know is that you know is a strong bill I don't whatever that means um, is there anything that's good in this bill anything that you'd if they what changes would you like to see, and was it, or would it just completely gut the bill? I would gut the bill completely, personally. <laughs> I think there's. I think we should throw this one in the trash and just start from scratch. Um, and I think again, we really need to focus on how do we make sure that the youth aren't going to be negatively impacted. And for me, again, with the studies and the data showing that by actually legalizing and making sure that the legal market is open and competitive is that's what's going to prevent the illicit market from actually uh, coming forth and, and providing these uh, these products to those who should not be accessing them. So instead of a flavor ban, I would do the exact opposite, and I would say full flavors. Um, anyone over 21 who wants a flavored uh, vaping device, have at it. Here's the correct places to go to get it. And by that way, we can ideally you know, make the illicit market more irrelevant in this space. All right, I'm going to squeeze one more call in for you. Good morning. You're live on The Morning Drive. Yeah, Liz, I agree with you. We should uh, we should dump the whole bill. There's nothing good in it. Uh, furthermore, I think anything that comes out, I've heard you mention now, Massachusetts and California, anything comes out of either of those two places, we should do the exact opposite. Those are terrible policies. The same Absolutely. people who make those policies and stand for them are people who tell you that Klaus Schwab is a philanthropist. Klaus Schwab is a not Okay. <laughs> Well, um, I, it is, you know, if you just look at the data, I, and I'm, I pulled up the, agenda, the, the committee uh, agenda, and so you, you, did you testify on Tuesday, the 16th? I did, yep. Well, how much time were you given? So I actually was given about 10 minutes. Um, was did not get any questions, unfortunately, from the fine legislators of Vermont, but I know they are continuing to hear um, different testimony, I believe, throughout this week as well. Um, and then we'll see what happens with the bill after that. And I'm guessing it will be referred to another committee and we'll repeat the process again. But we will see and hopefully we will be able to uh, make sure this bill doesn't go through. So that way Vermonters um, aren't harmed either through public health or more tax burdens. So when you presented your data and you talked about Sweden, not mm-hmm. one not one legislator asked you any questions? 
Nope, they did not, unfortunately. I did submit my uh, testimony for the record with all of the, you know, links and whatnot to the, the supporting data, but I did not receive any questions about, you know, Sweden in particular, which I think is a missed opportunity. I mean, this is an entire country who has been known to have relatively high smoking rates throughout its history, and now the World Health Organization is saying it's likely going to be the first smoke-free country I, I wish all legislators would look directly at what they're doing and replicate it. Again, there's no reason Vermont legislators can't do that. Um, I just think they're being bombarded with misinformation, unfortunately, which we are hoping to change. Liz, we are just about out of time, but do you take the fact that they asked you no questions at committee to mean that the likelihood is that this bill is on the fast track and is moving forward? That's that's certainly the impression I get in the story in VT Digger. Yes, I would agree with that wholeheartedly, unfortunately. And and you actually provided data and statistics, and um, not a, not one question, not one question, but just you, a question about where our funding comes from. Unfortunately, but you did nothing get, about the actual data. You did get ten whole minutes. I did. Yes, usually it's only about two minutes in uh, in these committee hearings, but they were open to hearing uh, as much as we could give them. So I was very grateful for that opportunity, for sure. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for uh, for spending some time with us here this morning. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, Liz. <sighs> Ten minutes. No questions. Data. Oh, well. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to check in with uh, ABC News. Amanda's got the headlines. We've got the forecast from the Channel 3 Max Advantage Forecast Center. And then we are going to spend an hour uh, talking with Burlington Police Chief John Murad. It's going to be great. Keep it right here. News Talk WV.